Welcome to the Smart Driving Cars podcast. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the faculty chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi again, Alan. Uh, Good morning, Fred. Well, here we are in the middle of August almost. And as you've been pointing out all along, the key to the success and survival of companies like Uber and Lyft is driverless technology. This week, Uber came out with second quarter earnings. Uh, really not earnings, I suppose, reporting a loss of $5 billion and its slowest ever revenue growth. Uh, most of the loss, nearly $4 billion, was due to stock-based compensation that was paid to employees after its IPO. Still not a pretty picture. Not a pretty picture. And, and you know, I guess the the ride-hailing business is, uh, it, it could be a business, but it's not a, you know, a $50 billion business. You know, it might be a $500 million business or maybe a $5 billion, uh, $5 billion business, but but not at, at that excessive level that they that they went out unless it's driverless and uh, of course the discussion here is about the is about the one time uh, charge uh, because of the uh, stock options um, uh, that were associated with uh, with uh, the initial group of of employees but but really does that mean that the, <laughs> that the employees going forward aren't going to uh, require demand bonuses, so it's not really a one-time charge. Um, I mean, I guess under um, accounting rules you can call it that, but um, you know that's a cost of doing business. If if you're going to have those the kind of people that you hired uh, to bring uh, the company to the level it is, and it's not at a level of profitability, you're going to need the same kind of people to, and even better people to get it to profitability. Uh, so uh, this one-time charge, uh, is it really a one-time charge? Um, plus, uh, uh, if um, if one uh, looks, uh, there's a almost $300 million expense uh, for basically a bonus program to the to the gig workers uh, who actually provide and and do the work, (laughs) the day-to-day work of the company, even though, of course, it doesn't appear on their books, uh, but but the company can't work without those, uh, or can't operate without those gig workers unless it's driverless. Uh, so uh, again, um, uh, that's not a one-time charge. Um, uh, those folks are going to—that's just uh, again part of their compensation, really. If you look at this as a as a business, um, and uh, and. And I guess the other interesting part of that, uh, um, there are uh, tens of thousands of of gig workers, maybe hundreds of thousands of gig workers working for the company, and you know, uh, order of magnitude at least less of um, of uh, uh, in-house administrative staff. Yet the uh, less than ten uh, percent of the in-house administrative staff gets bonuses. That's ten times what is passed out to the ten times larger. 
group uh, of gig workers. So that makes it, you know, one hundredth or one thousandth uh, of it on a per person basis. So um, the equity situation in Uber uh, doesn't seem to be very much equity on terms of the personnel aspects. But of course, this is pointing out the the negative pieces. Um, um, you know, Uber has um, shown that. Uh, that um, uh, ride-hailing uh, mobility um, uh, is uh, is valuable to a lot of people who who have been left behind by by personal car ownership that can't be afforded and um, and so it is a, a good mobility option and it's a really great mobility option if we could ever get the driverless. Not to mention uh, the the money that a lot, a lot of people are making by by driving. Than, uh, yes, and of course, it, yes, and it is it is providing employment to a sector of the population that that's that really um, um, has struggled uh, in some sense to find appropriate uh, employment that they enjoy. Uh, you know, this this is a there's a great amount of freedom afforded by that, and and I think I need to point out that driverless doesn't mean that those folks aren't going to also still be driving people around even with driverless uh, what driverless allows you to do is is instead of serving one percent of the trips that they cur- currently serves it allows you to serve maybe 80 percent of the trips so all the all the the second percent the third percent the fourth percent the fifth percent the sixth percent all those additional trips uh, one can't really find enough uh, gig workers uh, to who uh, to to provide that mobility, but it can be provided by the driverless. There'll still be a number of people who would prefer to have a driver, who can afford to have a driver, who who need to have a driver because uh, they need assistance and so on. So if you look at the at the whole uh, process of of especially the labor aspect of of, of uh, ride hailing and uh, on-demand uh, uh, mobility. Um, there's, there's a, there's a, still will be an enormous need uh, for these, uh, uh, for these gig workers, uh, for these uh, self-employed uh, people who want to work when they want to work and basically enjoy driving to be able to provide um, valuable mobility um, uh, to customers and uh, and customers would be willing to pay them tip them and um, and um, enjoy their presence in the car while many others uh, can then just get really much more affordable mobility on demand anytime uh, with respect to uh, uh, have them that provided by um, by a driverless uh, system so perhaps a difference in in pricing whether or not uh, you need to have assistance and a driver or whether you don't you need or you would like to or you prefer you feel more comfortable if you do or all the other uh, reasons um and uh, and so the you know the, this is this is the the opportunity uh, if if for, for for uber or lyft to to really become profitable they have to scale and by scale means they have to grow 10x and uh, to grow 10x, um, I don't think you can do that if you have to depend on on um, 
workers that that are basically self-employed or contract employees um, you have, you don't have enough control over them you can't manage them well enough um, and so uh, to be able to deliver a high quality service I think you, you, you need algorithms to do that and that's where the driverless comes in and the, the quarterly loss at Lyft meanwhile was 644 million dollars uh, their outlook for this quarter and the full year sounded more optimistic. Yes, and they're they're you know they're at a smaller scale than than Uber. Uber's really trying to do this, uh, uh, provide this on on a worldwide basis, or much more than just the, the United States. And I think that's part of the play, uh, the the reason why uh, they are. Uh, struggling financially, uh, that that's pretty tough when to go into Brazil and compete with Brazil or South America and compete with the South American local companies that are trying to provide similar services. So um, uh, we'll see. ARS uh, Technica has published an article looking at Elon Musk's quote that anyone relying on LIDAR is doomed. Uh, some experts say maybe not. But in the smart driving car newsletter, you seem to think that that Musk and Tesla are in a pretty good position here to, to play it either well, way. I th- right, and and I think it's nice that Timothy uh, put out the article because I think it's it's one of the the better articles that have been, that's out there with it, that really discuss the issues between lidar and and radar and and radar and 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 just image processing, and and so I think it's a good article, but. But in some sense, you know, uh, Elon's being a salesman <clears throat> and he's looking at his own position and he's saying, uh, you know, where he is, uh, uh, he doesn't need need LIDAR. And, and in fact, uh, um, as I point out in the newsletter, he sort of uh, he sort of hedged his bet with all of this. Uh, one, he's, he's, he, he, right now to have LIDAR in his cars would make him substantially more expensive. And uh, given that they're not driverless, and even though he'd like you to think that they were, they're not. Uh, the the manual explicitly says that you have to be behind the wheel, and you even have to have your uh, hand on the wheel, is at least what they say. Uh, so it's not a driverless system, and if that's uh, the kind of uh, assistance uh, that they are going to be pr- providing to their customers, which is uh, every once in a while that it steers itself and and it uh, has intelligent cruise control and so on, you don't need LiDAR. And so he's been able to get out there uh, in the marketplace and sell cars and get revenue without LiDAR. (coughs) Now, uh, the whole question is, is LiDAR going to become really inexpensive enough uh, such that you can also put it on cars that you sell to consumers? Uh, That's not the case today. It may be the case tomorrow, and if it is the case tomorrow, then he can just do what everybody else will be doing at that time, is putting LiDAR on his cars. And so at least he'll be even with them. But if the algorithms to do a, a better job of the image processing such that you really don't need LiDAR, if those algorithms uh, really improve and become good enough, then they can be uh, 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 
placed on all the cars that uh, Elon has already produced. Um, so he's backwards compatible to the whole fleet of cars that he will have sold uh, between now and, and that point in time. And uh, and the rest of his competition can't do that because they haven't um, really gone out there and put vehicles with the with the compute hardware and the cameras and the, and the radars that he's put on his vehicles. So um, he's in a he's in a win uh, no lose uh, position. Uh, so um, uh, or win break even position, and that's not a bad position to be in. And we should mention that uh, he's promising version 10 of Tesla software is coming soon and is hinting that the company's project Dojo, D-O-J-O, which we don't know too much about, I guess, other than it's supposed to be a super powerful training computer. Uh, the hint is that it's going to make a big difference in getting to full self-driving. Well, the the key on that, with respect to uh, uh, improving the algorithms to do the uh, the image processing, the key to that is his implication that he's going to be processing sequence of images as opposed to images one at a time. Right now, all the systems work by processing images one at a time. It takes a picture, it processes and figures out what's there and then does the blah, blah, blah. And then uh, life ends and it starts again. It takes a picture, da, 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 and goes through it. Every time it's a restart. Uh, whereas if you're processing sequence of images, you evolve knowledge of what uh, what is in the road ahead, the, the view of the world. It's you know I like to say it's sort of how how we operate. You know, when I wake up in the morning, it takes me a couple of cognitive cycles or so on to sort of figure out where I am. And then as the day evolves, you just update your 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 view of the world that's not the way these systems work every frame is a new day and and so that's 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 really puts an enormous burden on trying to get all that information out of just one frame whereas if you say hey um, in any trip i i start at, at at speed zero so I have some time to evolve my perception as to what's going on around me, and as I as I build that, I keep I keep in, improving it or or keep updating it, and so I I make use of the of the knowledge that I gained uh, two cognitive cycles ago uh, to the cognitive cycle that is being. Um, uh, uh, operated on right now. That's not the way these work. He, the hint is that this is what they're working on. Uh, this sort of, uh, of updating uh, process, this continuous learning. I'll call it learning. Don't misunderstand it as being, you know, like machine learning as you hear about it with respect to AI. But it's, it's, it's a, it's continuing to update your current view of the world as new information comes in, uh, taking into account what you've already learned up to this point with respect to your view of the world. So this would be a pretty big step. When, when this, I, I, I think this is the way the whole field has to go. 
I mean, it's it's in some sense stupid that you know each frame, each each cycle of an image, boom, 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 da, 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 and then you start over. Well, geez, you, you learned something from that previous image. You got something out of that. You figured out that you know there is a. This is where the lines were. You haven't moved that far in the next cycle, especially if these things are operating at you know twenty times a second or thirty times a second. Well, you, Musk. You know, why, why not make use of the last thirty things that you learned, and you know, update? Hey, okay, that helps me understand what's going on here. This is oh, now I'm figuring it out. Truly operating more like the human brain, as you said. Well, I, I, yeah, I, you know, I'm, I've simplified enormously, but at least uh, conceptually, that's that's the way this this should work. I think. Well, Musk also... I, I can't do anything else, Fred, except try to think. Sorry. <laughs> well, you do that pretty well, Alan. Musk also makes uh, the half-baked section of the newsletter uh, as well with his promise that new Tesla software will deliver in-car video streaming and what he calls karaoke. And you're saying, come on. Man. Yeah, well, you know... <laughs> Look, he does, this thing isn't driving itself. The, the the driver has to pay attention to what's going on in the road ahead and behind him and and to the right and to the left. Okay, and sure, maybe you can, you know, text or you can take your eyes off the road for, you know, a few seconds. But to get engrossed in a video, I mean, come on. Uh, this is this is going to kill people. Okay, and, 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 uh, and, uh, how many more cars is he really going to be able to sell? If, you know, with that feature, it's 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 way too dangerous. It's 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 uh, you know it's playing with fire. Uh, it's it's playing with worse than fire. It's playing not only playing not only with with your own death. You're um, playing with the the the, the lives of, of people that that you're going to hit because of this so well, it sounds know. pretty good for for the car camping mode or when you're pulled over that's what it sounds good for. yeah but uh, you know that's not um, what they're selling it, it shouldn't be not yet automotive news is taking a look at uh, what's going on at waymo with a piece titled under the hood of waymo's fleet project and it talks about its partnership with the biggest car retailer auto nation among other things, it will help to speed vehicle repairs in, in Arizona and California for Waymo. We haven't been talking too much about Waymo lately, and here's some news. Yeah, it's some news, and I think it's it's the nitty-gritty of, you know, what's this going to, going to have to look like as a business? You know, uh, you can you can look at Uber or Lyft, and 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 my goodness, uh, the maintenance of the cars and and the cleaning of the cars—that's all left up to the gig workers. Uh, these these—they're not even employees of the company. Uh, that that uh, that these uh, multi-billion-dollar entities are relying upon to make sure that they're putting out a quality product. Uh, and, and, and so um, uh, it's it's good that, that it's been that it's 
that it's been done so well up to this point. Does it scale? I'm not sure. Well, the rider uh, ratings have a lot to do with it. You know, yeah, is, the, is this car going to be clean or not? You know, you have to rate those things. But Great. Again, I, under, I, underst yeah. I understand. And, that, you know, it's great, the rating systems. And we're putting a, a lot of, of our fundamental uh, product uh, and and quality um, on uh, this rating program, and and, and that's fine. It, um, it, I think it works. I, I'm not sure it scales. In the end, it should be the company's responsibility. And I think that what uh, this article to me in, uh, indicates is all the nitty gritty aspects that Waymo is doing to say, no, we're going to run this. We're going to we're going to be responsible for it. We're not. We're of course going to have our customers um, give us feedback as to how good we're doing, but. But in terms of who's going to be responsible uh, responsible for delivering that quality of service, it's going to be us. It's going to be our employees, our contractors, people that we that 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 are our uh, partners in in a strong um, um, uh, uh, legal partnership basis, as opposed to just uh, the. Uh, the concept of somebody who just happens to be a part-time employee that every once in a while we send them a few a little bit of a bonus that's a that's a one one thousandth of what we um, uh, of the bonuses we pay to ourselves so uh, the the waymo approach having control over it partnering with autonation and i guess uh, the, one of the points of the uh, of this piece was that the yeah they do have partners and that's an important thing Right, and 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 to uh, and building a, a a a solid business out of it uh, that in fact uh, uh, is uh, is a continuing entity, as opposed to being this. Uh, well, we don't know if they're going to show up. We're sort of count kind of hoping, but uh, we have no real control over them. They're they're independent contractors. Hey, they may or may not show us. Don't blame us. Our friend Lance Elliott has a nice piece in, in Forbes titled uh, Thinking Logically About the Risks of Self-Driving Cars. Right, and I think he goes on and he, he provides a, a, a good description about the, about the safety and, again, the, the terminology here with respect to various levels and so on of what, somebody, what one person's talking about versus another person talking about. Uh, I think he sort of uh, addresses that. Uh, you know, with respect to the driverless, it's all about the uh, um, operational design domain. Where can the vehicle really operate driverlessly? And uh, if, if in the in the Waymo situation, you know, uh, you know they they control where the vehicle goes, which roads it takes, which intersections it goes through, when and in what conditions it goes through those intersections, and that's all. And and where it sends it is where they believe that the thing uh, can operate safely. And uh, and therefore, uh, it's not just to go anywhere, and and so uh, that's the the key piece, and that's why, in some sense, the driverless vehicle probably isn't sold to an individual. 
Because an individual, at least the perception we have with the car, is that we can take it anywhere. Okay, but you, you know, these things you won't be able to. You know, in some places they won't be able to drive. Right now, there are no public streets in which they can drive. Okay, there may be some private areas, and maybe you can have your car driverlessly go from your driveway into your garage. Uh, but the only reason you can do that and the only reason um, Tesla allows you to do that is because that's all on your nickel. If, if that thing goes and, and crashes into the, into the uh, side of your garage, uh, you know, that's your problem. That's not Tesla's problem. Uh, you'll complain on the, on the, on the, the various um, um, blogs and so on about it, but you know, you you, it's your problem. It's your car. You know, in some sense, do with it on your private property. Almost what you want to do on public roads. No. Hopefully, there's a policeman there that says no. The Trump administration has quietly terminated an Obama-era federal committee on automation and transportation. Earlier this year, the Department of Transportation has confirmed that to The Verge this week. Uh, this is a, a committee that uh, was formed, I guess, towards the end of the Obama administration and had met towards the end of the Obama administration, but uh, under the new administration had not met at all. Yeah, Yes, it was formed right at the end of the, of the Obama administration. It did meet once, one sort of thought, it was in some sense hoping that since this is, was such an important uh, um, uh, topic and and important part of the uh, emerging economy, that in fact, uh, and that the that the the committee's uh, members were largely uh, non-political, um, that the whole thing would survive, <laughs> but. Uh, you know, it's a new administration with a different party, so it's it's not at all surprising that um, um, that it should be sunset. Uh, I, I was vice chair of the New Jersey Commission on Science and Technology, which it, uh, in New Jersey, which had been put together by um, uh, by basically uh, Democratic governors. Um, the first thing the Christie administration did was basically, um, well, uh, they didn't sunset the organization. They just took away the funding. Uh, can you imagine, uh, you know, in, in you know, 10 years ago, the first thing that you do when you get into power is you you, uh, you uh, remove the funding from a commission on science and technology. In other words, you're not going to be um, um, investing in science and technology. Um, but uh, that's what new administrations do, so uh, not surprising at all. Not surprising, but the, the Verge, part of the Verge report was that they never told the people who were on the committee. <laughs> uh, well, well, the interesting thing about the New Jersey Commission on Science and Technology, we didn't have a we didn't have a budget, so therefore we didn't meet. But we still had to to submit uh, to the to the um, uh, state uh, uh, basically financial reports every year to make sure we weren't uh, 
uh, didn't have a conflict of interest. So, uh, so everybody resigned and said, why, why should we uh, uh, do these disclosures when, when we're not even going to meet? So I don't know. Maybe they did the same thing there. I, I don't know what kind of financial disclosures they, each committee member had to make so that they were made sure that they were not in violation of any conflict of interest uh, situations. But anyway, um, uh, it's politics. So much for that. And and finally, in the newsletter, uh, you point out a link between driverless technology and a local zoning issue in Princeton involving a bid <laughs> by the Peacock Inn to add outdoor seating. So what's that got to do with it? <laughs> well, I think uh, sort of the the way I'm uh, I'm uh, basically where my head is these days is that the the toughest thing right now is convincing a. Uh, local communities that in fact they should welcome this driverless technology onto their uh, streets and 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 basically uh, allow them to um, to use their local streets uh, essentially all trips or a great majority of trips uh, begin and or end in communities you know, in people's homes. That means they go down your street, and, um, and a lot of people are, you know, are quite concerned about what happens in their neighborhoods and what goes down their street. And I just pointed this out. Here we have this uh, this restaurant that uh, and this inn that happens to be in a, in a residential zone, which is really up abutting, you know. Uh, half a block away from from a commercial zone, uh, but it's in a residential zone. Therefore, um, the uh, the town ordinances are such that if they want to, uh, they had to get, have a waiver to be, have a restaurant, and in that waiver, they have a certain amount of that that, that constrains the number of uh, of seats uh, that they can have in the restaurants and the number of meals that they can serve. And what they wanted to do was uh, expand it a little and and have some outdoor seating. They even said no uh, to expanding. They even decided to agree to, to maybe instead of seating people inside, they'd seat them outside. But the but the the, uh, the waiver that they had originally gotten to be in business uh, said that the, the the seating was inside, not outside. So they needed another. Um, modification, uh, another waiver of the, of the uh, town ordinances uh, and uh, land use ordinances, so uh, zoning ordinances. So they had to have a meeting, and, uh, and uh, of course all the neighbors showed up and and uh, spent two hours telling them how uh, oh my goodness it's going to be the end of the world if uh, if they. Uh, start serving people outside instead of inside and they didn't get their waiver now, can you imagine um, you know Waymo coming into Princeton and saying uh, oh we're going to operate driverless Pacificas to provide mobility for the um, elderly community to be able to go to the shopping center or to the library or to the um, to the barber shop or hairdresser or nail salon or whatever uh, or to church or to synagogue and uh, we're going to drive down um, down one of these streets 
and uh, my goodness, uh, driverless vehicles down our street. So I think one has to deal with the, with this not in my backyard aspect of it, and one has to deal with it from the beginning, and one has to bring um, these communities along to really um, um, uh, get them to be um, uh, engaged in the process from the beginning, so that they're welcoming as opposed to uh, you know spend two hours at public meetings just. Uh, finding um, uh, all sorts of um, reasons as to not do something. And so this may be a, uh, the biggest challenge of, of driverless uh, mobility. Uh, it, may, it may not be the technology. It may not be whether or not it's safe and it's technically safe enough. The question is, is, it, is the perception of it being safe enough? And the perception of whose perception, and it's 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 really the the community's perception. And how do we uh, then um, uh, get the community perception to to embrace to welcome these? In some sense, some of them will 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 follow the leader. The governor of New Jersey comes out and says, "Yes, we welcome these the, this technology on our streets. We think that the the societal benefit and the quality of life enhancement for New Jersey is is substantial, and we welcome them. that that would be very helpful." Uh, but in the end, I think it's going to require each of the communities to also say um, uh, yes, or the, the, we won't be able to provide the service there. The, the vehicles won't be able to use those streets. And, and if it can't use those streets, then it's not going to really be able to provide mobility to, to the mobility marginalized or the mobility disadvantaged. So I think uh, instead of uh, we've been focused on on a on a big picture view of this, bringing it on, you know, doing it nationwide and all this stuff, or at least I, I have, uh, you know. But in the end, I think it's going to be it's going to be hand to hand combat in some sense uh, um, at the at the community level. I, I keep. You know what I say to my students is that you just look at what happened to Amazon in Queens, you know, uh, with respect to their second headquarters. They had all the support anybody could ever want uh, from um, all the muckety mucks at, at the at, at the top of the food chain, uh, but they didn't have uh, they didn't have the the community. And, uh, and many politicians have learned uh, not to underestimate the, the importance of door-to-door campaigning. <laughs> Every politician doesn't forget. They know that so very well. That's what they do. That's, that's, their, that's their métier. That's, what, that's how they got elected is because they do that well. So they know this, and, and, and they do pay attention. So the so lesson should be learned by these companies come... that, that, are, that want to bring the uh, the autonomous vehicles onto the street. Yeah, I don't think they're powerful enough. Look at you know, look at what GM just said with respect to uh, GM Cruise said with respect to to San Francisco. We can't. We aren't going to start start service uh, this year or next year. Okay, and it's not because they're not safe enough. Probably, it's because they don't have. There's no community support. There's no grassroots support for it. 
they're 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 you know they're almost a a, 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 a solution looking for a problem you know and 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 they they don't have a constituency who's the constituency there i mean you know the the, the silicon valley whatever that 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 they they can use a black car they they can use uh, they can use uh, uber lyft they don't need driverless they, and and there's plenty of mass transit available there they can use buses they can use and then they have they have scooters and stuff so there's no i don't think there's anybody in san francisco clamoring for driverless mobility provided by gm cruise or at least i haven't heard of it maybe somebody will let me know and somebody will, will tell me about it but there, there isn't that and I think I think all this this it's nice that the that all of us technologists are out there and say hey we have the answer for all of you uh, here it is um, please trust us at some point the people are gonna the people are gonna have to say hey yeah you know we really want this because in fact it is good it really is good for us and um, and we're not there yet I'm not so sure how well. Waymo is doing it in in in, in Chandler. At least the, you know the the great benefit that Waymo's had in 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 Chandler and and Phoenix is that the governor, the whole state was you know at the top was very lined up, and I guess they went into a community that. Um, didn't go to the public meetings or maybe they did all the groundwork to, to get them to be welcomed and they 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 did enough uh, relations with the community to to nurture it along and they've been very good citizens there from everything i, I haven't seen anything that that's that's suggested they haven't been good citizens They've invested money. They haven't charged anybody anything. They've they've really uh, you know bent over backwards. But of course, it is you know the first one, and, and uh, that same thing's going to have to be done in in all the other communities. Else, we're going to have you know a peacock in issue. And uh, you've been out front in in trying to teach people about the the issues of mobility for all and how driverless can really make make that happen. No. Well, that, that's that's the that's the real opportunity. The opportunity here, the the the, the 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 segment of the population that benefits most from this are those that have not been served very well up to this point in time. Okay, it's the people that happen to to not have access uh, to their own personal car for whatever reason don't live in a highly dense area that has uh, good public transportation and there are very few places in the United States and even the world that have good public transportation okay if you look at if you look at much of the world lives in villages and those folks are stuck and this and hey the, these things in villages these things can operate very easily you know there isn't much traffic congestion in the first place and they can just go from here to there to da 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 and provide that mobility so in a sense in, in the lower density communities uh, they work they work best and on that note 
That'll do it for this edition. Uh, you can find us at smartdrivingcar.com, also on Anchor FM, Spotify, TuneIn, Apple, Google, Spreaker, SoundCloud, and more, wherever you get your podcasts. Ask your smart speaker to play us. You can find my tech reports at textonation.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Alan Kornhauser. Lots to think about here, and thanks for listening. Thank you, Fred, and have a great weekend, everybody. <laughs>